Superstars podcast where I get to talk with people who are disrupting their industries. My name is Theo Priestley and I am a futurist, author and associate fellow with the Tony Blair Institute for Global Change. And today's guest is breaking down a few walls in the recruitment industry for sure. Juliet Eccleston is the CEO and founder of AnyGood, a platform where professionals recommend other professionals for roles. Juliet's background is in delivering large-scale technology change programs, and after 20 years in building high-performing teams, her frustration with the process for hiring talent collided with an opportunity and the rise for the sharing economy. This drove her to develop an alternative, which is any good. Juliet, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks very much. Now, I read a bit about your background, and you were uh, partly responsible for Egg, which was at the time, I guess, one of the newest challenger banks. Yeah, absolutely. It was the first internet bank. Um, and so I know most people think of them as uh, those that are around today, but actually back in 98, Egg was their first. But um, there was an, an awful lot of people involved. But yes, I was on the, the change team there and helped with, uh, with Egg Savings and building the first savings account online. Um, and it was a great team to be amongst. And, and certainly, before, I think probably before even the word startup existed, um, it was it had that startup feel to it. Yeah, similar. I was involved in Bright Grey, which was, uh, I guess, startup in inverted commas from Royal London. Mm. Um, and it was very much the same thing. There was a bunch of execs who had gained sponsorship from the board at Royal London and cherry-picked some people to essentially build all the processes and the technology out from scratch. So it was it was an exciting time. And like you say, it's um, an early example of what we call startups. Yes. Um, back then, back in the uh, – well, my, for mine, it was um, 2003, I think it was. Yeah. Tricky. That's uh, scary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it certainly gives so, you a bit of a hunger for it, I think. And, uh, and, uh, and uh, yeah, it makes you – not very good probably at uh, at working in organizations that are perhaps a bit slower um and uh, you know a desire to do things differently i would say yeah so how did you go then from your program management background and then straight into i guess straight into recruitment what was the journey there yeah so i uh, i was a contractor for 17 years and um and as you mentioned um in the introduction that i really just became increasingly frustrated with the process for recruitment um and although there are some great recruiters out there um, it was always a better route if you could find somebody based on recommendation, um, but there was no real way to scale that. Um, and so really, when I first had the idea, it was much more about um, if only somebody else would deliver this solution, the idea of scaling referrals, then I'd be able to build my team as I want to build my team and carry on delivering programs and projects uh, as I want to. But I really would like to have more people based on recommendation. Um, so it was more in my mind, sort of a theoretical exercise around somebody else needing to do it but then um, as I started to continue to work on it my mind my mind is tends to be quite busy so I'm, I'm always <laughs> thinking about uh, about things and very much focused on sort of um, lean and six sigma improvements and and so I just carried on just through this desire for it to be better um, building out the model and the proposition um, and then actually met um, an ex-colleague from uh, from egg uh, who was returning back to this country and and we walked it through together and he said well actually this sounds like it's something that, that should exist so why don't we um, do that together and so really it was sort of carrying on whilst I was contracting building out the proposition for this and testing it obviously with 
all of the the contractors and permanent employees I was amongst and the clients that I already knew um, as to whether this would be something um, that we would be able to launch and uh, would be able to grow. Um, And so really it started quite small um, as, you know, often a lot of people see a startup and the time they see it is is where they think you've started from but very much um, we started from a, a spreadsheet with about 100 people in it and um, trying to test that out with clients probably about a couple of years before any, even the name any good uh, came out so it's uh, a lot of time in testing. Were you surprised that there was nothing in the market before? Yeah, and uh, and obviously a part of you thinks, is there a reason why this this doesn't exist? Maybe it's a really bad idea, <laughs> and um, and so you sort of do think, uh, it, it, you know, is is there a reason why? And there have been other people that have tried to to do similar things, and it but it is it is quite hard, and that's why it's something that um, that often people have um, have stopped sort of after six months or a year in terms of trying to get. Um, two-sided marketplaces and balance those two sides uh, and get traction. Uh, it can be an incredibly um, difficult and challenging thing to achieve. Um, and uh, it's the same challenges as you would have for Airbnb in the early days and Uber and all of these kinds of things. It's You have to think about what comes first um, and, and constantly balance that out. So, that, you know, like when we first started and launched in 2017, we gathered a, a few hundred members on the platform, but we didn't have any jobs. Um, so we had to bring those kinds of people in that we knew be okay with not having any roles for a while and for us to just keep on entertaining them through various means whilst we then gathered the clients and then were able to start to do this sort of management of the two sides. So how does the platform work then? Um, So the way it works is that uh, clients will share roles on the platform for free. Um, those then um, go out to all of our members um, that um, that have signed up to be members of the platform. People think about who they know. Um, they speak to the people that they know that would be great for the role and make sure that they want to be put forward. Um, if they do, then they write them a recommendation and, um, and that goes off to the candidate to confirm that they want to be put forward. Um, then the client sees um, a list of candidates that have been recommended and they can rate the quality of each, um, just like you'd rate your Uber driver. And uh, if they want to go forward, then they basically pay uh, a fixed fee uh, once it's gone through their own uh, internal hiring process. Um, and so it's, it's quite different to, tra- to traditional agencies um, in that uh, we obviously have an awful lot of our sort of mini recruiters, if you like, um, that are all just recommending great people for roles rather than needing to uh, to have the expense of recruitment agencies working on site. So you see this very much a part of the, the sort of sharing or the, or the gig economy where people are helping each other out, find positions. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'm gonna, yeah, yeah I'm, I, I'm trying to avoid using the C word in, in this podcast <laughs> at the moment, but it's, all, it's completely unavoidable. Yes. Do you do you see this platform then and your service actually becoming almost crucial and critical for freelancers and self-employed as this coronavirus takes hold and companies are, I guess, either shuttering projects or reconsidering how they uh, approach these projects? Yeah, we've we've had a lot of clients talk to us about their uh, their hiring strategies and changing their hiring strategies based on um, uh, based on the circumstances that we're all in at the moment. 
Um, and certainly uh, one of the things that companies need to do is to is to reduce costs across the board in, in many areas um, because of the you know the, the challenges that they're facing. And certainly from a client perspective, it does that. Um, the other way that we've been talking to clients that we can help um, is because over the last um, sort of two years, three years, we've been really researching two-sided marketplaces, understanding how referrals work, understanding what engages people, why people respond to things, why they don't respond to things, all of the patterns of behavior within a marketplace. And what we're now trying to do is to talk to clients about not only our platform, but um, how they might be able to have greater engagement with their own employees whilst people are um, working more remotely now. Um, There's a potential opportunity for them to use employee referrals more so that they can use that as a way to engage people and uh, employees to engage out into their broader communities as well. Um, So sort of thinking of ways to really move the dial in terms of um, companies relying more on referrals than they might have done beforehand. Um, And certainly, you know, whilst ever there's going to be lots of people looking for work, it's also really important for businesses that they get the right people. Um, uh, From a cost perspective, it costs a considerable amount of money when it's the wrong uh, wrong candidate that gets the role. Um, So we're very keen to make sure that that the quality of recommendations are there and, and hence sort of helping clients both with employee referrals as well as from external talent pool that we have. Do you see um, clients, your clients moving towards remote interviews as well during these kind of times and maybe even carrying them forward? Yeah, definitely. It was something I was speaking to a client about yesterday, actually. They, they already do, um, a lot of clients already do a lot of um, sort of initial interviews, phone and video. Um, what we're now talking to them about is um, the process for remote onboarding because that's that's often the sticking point. It's it's very rare for you to see somebody go all the way through a hiring process and on be onboarded into a client where they're going to be a remote worker and don't ever have to go to actually meet anybody. Um, so that's something that we're now helping clients with. Um, to work it through with them because of us having a remote team ourselves we're quite well versed in um, in remote working and and the different technologies and processes that you can put in place to overcome a lot of the challenges um, and so yeah we're, we're definitely working through to, to keep businesses going really and uh, to maintain um, a level of throughput through the economy um, and through businesses to make sure that they can uh, they can sustain um, and whether the challenges that they've got is it just the um, the technology or I guess the freelance project market that you uh, currently cater or are you looking to expand um, your offering into other other industries yeah at the moment we um, we have both permanent uh, work both permanent and contract roles um, and so um, we're we, we're broad across that because we have a, a fixed uh, a fixed fee we don't do margins so um, so I know a lot of recruitment agencies will have um, a margin on top of a contractor rate that uh, where there's a slice every day that's uh, that's taken uh, but that's not something that we have so we can be flexible enough to uh, to work with any kinds of roles um, and certainly we'll be expanding more into part-time roles and shorter term uh, contract roles uh, currently it tends to be sort of con- uh, sort of your IT contractors um, that we would work with um, where the projects are say three to six months uh, and permanent positions but moving forwards it will certainly be expanding into um, into greater flexibility of roles as well do you see that the um, the the current sort of IR35 legislation has impacted 
the freelance uh, economy or the gig economy to an extent that it's no longer a favourable option in the UK at all? Yeah, I mean, just um, it's uh, IR35 because of uh, of the virus has been delayed for a year. But um, I don't see that as something that's uh, that's is has been communicated that it's a delay and um, and definitely not anything that's going to be um, changing anytime soon. Um, yeah, I mean, from an IR35 perspective, I've been quite involved in um, in a lot of conversations around this. And um, being, you know, as a, as a contractor myself uh, for 17 years, it's certainly something that's always been close to my heart. And I know an awful lot of contractors out there that are, are incredibly good um, and now potentially out of work. Um, and it's not uh, ideal from a business perspective um, in terms of the blanket assessments that I've seen um, and not ideal from a from a contractor perspective. Um, so I think in the short term, in terms of the blanket assessments that have been made, uh, there'll be an impact on companies not delivering as much as they uh, were hoping to deliver, uh, but also contractors that are um, taking sabbaticals and taking time away in the hope that uh, things will settle down um, and there will be a return to um, more recognised outside IR35 contracts moving forwards as the risk becomes clearer. I think the challenge is at the moment that businesses, because the because IR35 um, new rules are uh, can be quite ambiguous, uh, businesses just don't want to take the risk. Uh, and so perhaps as that ambiguity um, reduces um, and people are clearer on the risks that they're taking, then they will take on more IR35 contractors outside IR35 contractors. And that's certainly what uh, we'd be promoting with our clients um, rather than assuming they're inside just to avoid um, the, the, the tax liability later on. Do, do you see that the um, industry, the recruitment industry, is is as broken and as fragmented as candidates see it? And are there any other aspects that you feel that any good would be able to tackle in the future? Yeah, I think... I think there's a lot of people that say recruitment is broken and I think I might have even said it in the early days <laughs> to be honest and and it depends on which bit of it you're looking at as to whether whether it's broken or not um, I certainly think with my sort of uh, process improvement hat on if you were to look at the process end to end which I've obviously done uh, a lot of um, there are many opportunities for defects in that process and and so my interest is in making it so that the uh, recruitment of an individual is is as uh, reduced risk as possible, and so from in terms of a process, um, I think it's it's a, it's a poor process at the moment in general, and that often gets aligned to um, the actual individuals that are performing the process in terms of recruitment agents and the trust that's put in um, into those recruitment agents. But often it's the process that uh, that they're working within, um, and that may be. Uh, from a large recruitment firm or something that they've learned as to how recruitment works. Um, but yes, I think there are many, many areas for improvement within recruitment. And that includes all the way through from an internal hiring team through to um, candidates. Um, and I think there's a significant amount that we can do around not only the referral process, but also improving communications with all parties. Uh, there are so much um, that I think is down to just a lack of communication as to where people are, uh, both from the business side and also the candidate side. Um, and so if that is improved, then um, trust is increased and that just helps the whole process from an end-to-end -end perspective. Now, you've mentioned trust a couple of times yeah. and, and also the 
Uber style, I guess, recommendation and, and, and quality system. Do you think that's strong enough to appease clients who have, uh, I guess, a stronger relationship and maybe a stronger fallback with the current recruitment agencies in, in terms of relying on just someone else's referral? Yeah, and it's it's um, it's certainly something that we we were very concerned about initially. With you know, when we first tested it in 2017, we really didn't know what kind of quality people would send through, and uh, so we had many many checks and balances in place, um, including the ability to check every single candidate that comes through. And so, uh, what we actually found was that. Um, I really underestimated people was the ultimate <laughs> was the ultimate output in that I actually thought we would get uh, people because of the the rewards uh, on offer in terms of you know members can um, receive one and a half thousand pounds if they re- if they refer somebody that's hired. Uh, I was thinking we would get some candidates, more candidates through that um, that weren't the right types of people for those particular jobs. Uh, but what we actually found was that it was much more like uh, employee referrals. Um, and because members know that their uh, reputation is on the line, uh, then uh, then they do tend to act in a way that um, that makes sure that we get the right kinds of candidates through. Um, but we're still actually checking every single candidate, even though the client um, does rate the quality of each one. Um, we're still checking them at the moment just to keep an eye on the trends that we have coming through. Because as our platform grows and we've got uh, you know, a few thousand members now, um, we still like to uh, like to have that check in place in cases um, sort of a trend that we see that we weren't aware of. Because when you're doing something new, um, you really don't know what the behavior is going to be of people. Um, but so far, um, the clients uh, that have received candidates have been, you know, all of the all of the ratings that we get are sort of in the four or five stars uh, for candidates. So um, I know that the candidate quality speaks for itself. Um, so that I'm, I'm really comfortable with that. Okay, so so people are key for this process in the referral side. Yes. What do you think about companies who are employing AI to as part of their recruitment process, whether it's screening candidates or some of them are employing them to actually, you know, see how people interact over video to see whether they are, I guess, trustworthy or telling a lie when they're yeah. when they're speaking about their candidate uh, when they're speaking about their experience. Yeah, yeah, I've, yeah, I probably have another another day's worth of conversation about AI. <laughs> <laughs> Um, there's there's a lot of um, there's a lot of software out there in a, in the recruitment space and potentially in other industries that's claiming AI, uh, where actually it's just the same as what any job site does, where it matches CVs against roles um, and looks for keywords. And so there's a lot of stuff where that happens, especially in high volume roles. And I think you know that's that's what needs to happen in high volume roles. You can't have human intervention uh, with everything. Um, I think from an optimum process perspective, it's humans plus technology, um, rather than it being purely technology. And and especially trusting a if there is true AI, I would be very interested to understand um, how things are, um, how candidates are, are being. Uh, declined from the process. Um, you often see that, oh, we found some brilliant candidates, but you don't actually know who the ones were that were, were declined in the process. Uh, and just like how Amazon rolled out their uh, recruitment AI tool and then had to mm. remove it because it was um, it, it was favouring men over women, um, I think often you don't know you don't know the impact of um, of the trends that you've in, employed until you actually uh, have been running it for a little while. 
Um, so it worries me that where it's purely AI, I, I think video, um, the video technology, I love video technology when it's just uh, two people actually having a conversation. But um, if there's AI that's um, monitoring people's facial expressions, then I absolutely detest it. I have to say I have no, it's, it's, uh, it's just something that I do not believe um, sits within the recruitment industry. Um, we're very passionate and committed to um, making sure we have a good representation of society within our platform. And I just can't see how it works for everybody. And if it doesn't work for everybody, then clients aren't finding the best candidates um, and so there will automatically be certain people that are um, are affected by uh, by the, the working technology not working for them. Um, so it's uh, video technology for in that is definitely not a route that we're going to be going down. And um, and I have lots of conversations with uh, with clients and industry experts about that technology. It's for me, it's in the category of just because you can doesn't mean to say you should. Um, definitely. <laughs> It's an interesting conundrum when you employ an AI and remove the human from human resources. Yes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I mean, we, we obviously all as humans are biased. Um, you know, we, we have our biases and we, we try and manage those. Uh, but where a tool is built that is going to knowingly specifically exclude people, um, then that's something that we can do something about. So, yeah, definitely uh, not something that you're going to be seeing in the Any Good platform anytime soon. <laughs> So what's your ultimate goal for the business and the platform then? Um, yeah, what, what we're looking to do, um, as I mentioned about employee referrals, is really become the experts in referrals. And I certainly think that we're, um, in terms of the, the research that we've been doing for the last um, the last three years um, and understanding how, how referrals work, both um, it's sort of applying that two-sided marketplace into employee referrals, what we want to do is to help clients really move their recruitment to be referral based as a majority um, and that's that's really our goal is to be the provider of choice <clears throat> excuse me to um, to enable clients to move to a referral process rather than relying on intermediaries um, um, so that's that's what we're looking to do not just in the UK um, but uh, on a global basis is there is there something um, that is not um, I guess industry uh, related or Corona related <laughs> uh, for a start that you'd probably like to end with. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's. Yeah, I might might have a, a little snippet of both of those things <laughs> in terms of my thoughts because it's hard. It's hard for it to not creep into everywhere, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but it really is on the, the touching on the underrepresented groups, really. Um, and uh, I've been looking at, obviously, as we all probably have a lot of posts that have been coming and going and information. And one of the things that um, I've been very aware of because of a lot of my connections and um, and what I'm interested in, I guess, is that a lot of the arrangements um, that have been made for people now um, to help them working from home or making things more accessible, um, you know, virtual conferences, all of these things are things that um, certainly people that are disabled have been asking for for, for many years. Um, and uh, and companies have been saying, oh, we can't possibly do that. And And so really my desire is for all of the arrangements that are being made now um, because we're in this this sort of effectively uh, designing for extremes um, 
process right now and people are designing things really well and there's amazing workarounds that people are putting in place um, is for really for those for us to look at those processes and those things that are being built and those special arrangements that are being made and think about why they haven't been done earlier um, and also think about as we move forward maybe those things should remain in place so that um, work and uh, employment is more open and accessible to more people than they currently have and that will certainly attract much uh, much better pools of talent and people that they're not currently reaching um, so yeah as I say I've probably touched on both of the things for you to <laughs> things that I shouldn't say um, but uh, but that's where my mind is really is uh, is on those uh, those arrangements and the amazing work that you see companies working around um, and uh, let's carry on with that and uh, and make things accessible to more. Yeah I agree I think um, it's going to be interesting to see which companies carry forward um, initiatives that they've actually put in place over the last few weeks yes. into actually next year or whether they're just going to treat them as temporary until obviously the next disaster or pandemic or whatever occurs. Yes. Yeah. And I think that's not just it's not just in recruitment, but it's everywhere, I think, yes. um, in terms of the, the, the new practices and operating models that they're having to adapt to in these times, Yeah, absolutely. for sure. Well, look, Juliet, thank you very much for appearing on this podcast today. Where can we find out more about you and AnyGood? Uh, it's just simply at anygood.com and you'll find out everything there. Perfect. Thank you. Um, well, thanks again to Juliet for joining me on Superstars. My name is Theo Priestley. You can find this podcast available on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts. Uh, please spread the word, uh, subscribe, and please support me through Kofi. Thank you very much indeed. 